stories and voices that are intertwined, connected by one thread, building internet and communication community networks. Hello, my name is Renata Porto, I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil. In our eighth episode, we will once again travel to African continent. Today, you'll go with me to Nigeria to get to know Harira Wakili and the Center for Information Technology and Development, or just CITAD, and more specifically, their work regarding community networks and gender issues. So here, the women are very active after the school. The women were very active in their communities. They work in several aspects. We also talked to Josephine Meliza, who lives in Kenya. She is the current policies coordinator in Africa for the Local Networks Initiative, which supports community networks across the globe. A way to do this is by ensuring that more women are actually involved in policy advocacy work, especially in the telecom ecosystem. So come with me. Our episode is just getting started. Routing for Communities, an audio journey tracing community connectivity around the world. Nigeria is the most populated country in Africa, with over 216 million inhabitants. It is located on the west coast of the African continent and has great ethnic diversity amongst its population. There are hundreds of ethnicities and languages. If we, if we look at Nigeria today, um, would you say that we are on the right track with connectivity. We still have a huge gap. Nigeria still, because even though we have a mobile penetration, I think about 50%, our internet usage is still very low. And that's what you're looking at. The reasons beyond the main cities people could not cope is because we didn't have access to the internet. This is a 2020 excerpt from Channel's television news piece in Nigeria. It approached the way digital exclusion became even more visible during the COVID-19 pandemic. In terms of connectivity, half of Nigeria's population is using the internet and approximately 90% have cell phones. But these devices are not necessarily set to have internet data. These numbers are from a national survey from 2021. To better understand an initiative that is being transforming the scenario in the northern part of the country, we talked to our very first guest for this episode. Hi. Hello, Harira. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. <laughs> We could not see Harira in this call, but we saw some of her pictures online, almost always wearing head wraps and scarves on her head. On her social network profiles, one can also see her main role, gender and internet rights advocate. 
Over our interview, her focus became even more evident, with the gender agenda being a highlight. Uh, my name is Harira Abdrahman Wakili from Naikano, Nigeria. I am 28 years old, I'm working in the area of digital inclusion, um, gender marginalization, and also working in the area of promoting women participation in digital spaces, as well as promoting women participation in politics, women participation in decision making, uh, among others. So um, before the community network, before I began the journey of the community network, I was um, solely working in the area of promoting gender digital inclusion. I work in the area of advocating and um, on the area of countering, monitoring and countering hate speech online. Um, I had a diploma in civil law and I have a BSc in international Harira is from Kano, a city located in the state with the same name in northern Nigeria. This is the second largest city in the country and it has around 4 million inhabitants. The local population is predominantly Muslim. Kano is well known for its arts and traditional art crafts, besides being considered the oldest city in Western Africa. It is also recognized as an educational center. The Bayero University, where Harira got a bachelor's degree in international relations, is located there. Harira works as Gender and Community Networks Officer at CITAD. This is a Nigerian non-profit organization promoting democracy and citizenship through ICTs, Information and Communications Technologies. The organization was born in 1996 as a center for educational initiatives called Computer Literacy Project. In the 20s, CITAD broadened its scope of action and nowadays also works on topics such as gender violence and human rights, youth entrepreneurship, digital inclusion, among others. CITAD works with influencers and social activists in educational processes, as well as tutoring women, the local youth and community stakeholders. Because um, here in Nigeria, this is kind of the issue that our communities are facing. There is huge gap between, and there is differences when it comes to education and it comes to ICT, when it comes to social infrastructure between the rural and the urban. So CITAD focuses on promoting and doing its advocacy from the grassroots level, also um, building the capacity of local champions to serve as community champions in order to, to support the communities and all of that. So uh, after coming up the Community Network Project, CITAD um, used uh, one of seven communities which we call micro-organization. These are communities where um, the CITAD work with them to build a computer center, some community libraries, where uh, people of the community have access to digital education. So it's a project done before, and where the coming of community network project give us the opportunity to widen our works in this area. Nigeria has over 112 million people living in poverty, according to Oxfam. Gender inequality is also present in areas such as education, in a scenario where three-quarters of the most impoverished women in the country have never attended school, 
and 94% of them are completely illiterate. Consequently, gender digital exclusion calls one's attention. Girls are less likely than boys to use digital devices, access the internet, and even get opportunities for a formal education and jobs in the technological sector. And it is to challenge such an unfair reality that CITAD has been developing community-centered connectivity in different parts of the country. When we say community-centered connectivity, we are thinking about connectivity alternatives that are managed, owned, built, informed, or controlled by the local community or by local persons or organizations in partnership with the community, such as the community networks we saw in this podcast. These experiences are showing that there is no single solution for the digital divide. The solution must be as many as necessary to guarantee the self-determination of communities that cultivate different ways of living. One of these communities with which Citad has been working in Nigeria is Pasepa, where people are mostly from the Bagi tribe. There are around 3,000 people living between hills in a valley. An example of one of the community is Pasepa community. It's a community um, whereby they have a combination of traditional rulers and the youth. So they were very active. At the beginning of community network project, we discovered that both the young and elderly people in the community are very active when it comes to advocacy, when it comes to promoting their community issues and all of that. But one thing we discovered in Pasifa community is that there is low participation of women. At the beginning of the project, we tried to focus on women on working together with, with the stakeholders in the community, with the local stakeholders, to see that we, we sensitize them and educate them on the power of women in the community and the importance of women coming out to, to support, to, to participate in the uh, community-based activities. Because we believe that if the elderly people will be active there, the, the male youth of the community will be active. So definitely there are women issues that are yet to be addressed in the community. One of the projects in which Citad worked and was able to increase the number of women participants was at the Nigerian School of Community Network. Its first edition took place in 2021, with people from many different communities across the country, especially rural ones. At the core of its agenda was how to create and manage community networks. Besides Nigeria, other countries carried out these national schools in their own models, such as South Africa, Brazil, Kenya and Indonesia, as we were able to see in previous episodes of this season. Harira told our team that over the course of the school, they noticed that men were creating barriers for women to take part in the school, mostly due to the meetings times. In some Nigerian rural community cultures, women are not allowed to go for social activities in the evening. And all the activities were scheduled for the evenings, because it was when men were getting back from work. After identifying this issue, some decisions were made so that women could effectively participate. Women participation has always been a challenge. 
uh, when it comes to working working at the grassroots level. So um, at the beginning, we, we work together with the community leaders to select members of the community to come in for the school. At the second school, we adopt the strategy of Kenya and South Africa and other countries that are doing the project to make it a kind of call for application uh, during the preparation of the school. So during the call for application, we work together with um, pioneer members of the school in order to kind of sensitize the, the people in the community to apply for the school, so which really helps us to have a 50-50 participation of women and what really impresses us is uh, the participation and commitment of women after the school, which is all like what we are having before in most of our programs that we do at the community level. So here, the women are very active after the school. Uh, the women were very active in their communities. They work in several aspects of the school, not even the part of the community network project. They widen their commitments to other project that they are doing in their communities, respectively. From Kano, Nigeria, we will travel a few kilometers to the city of Nairobi in Kenya, where Josephine Melisa lives. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi, Vivian. Can you hear me? Yes, Josephine. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, apologies. Because of connectivity, I'll just I'll keep my video off. Josephine is described at the APC's website as a network engineer who is passionate about making African communities enjoy digital technologies for their socio-economic empowerment. She's Africa's regional policy coordinator for community networks at the Local Networks Initiative, led by APC and Rizomatica. Uh, my name is Josephine Meliza and I live in Nairobi, Kenya. My background is in network engineering. Uh, I think I grew up in rural Kenya. So I think in the in the grander scheme of things, I was all I always gravitated to work uh, that looked to resolve issues around inequalities. Uh, so whether it is inequalities in terms of access to education or inequalities in terms of access to opportunities that are, are available online. Uh, I started working in community networks in 2015 uh, when I joined an organization uh, called uh, Tunapanda. Since then, I have championed the community networks movement here in Kenya, uh, being a pioneer, uh, starting the first uh, community network in Kenya, and then to uh, also supporting several other community networks, not just in Kenya, but also uh, across the continent. At APC, Josephine works towards the advocacy of regulatory policies and environments to support community-led networks. For example, focusing on how the internet or connectivity can reduce inequalities and offer opportunities especially for African people. The scenario of digital exclusion in Africa is marked by inequalities in rural and urban areas. The countryside does not have a proper digital infrastructure because it's not considered profitable or feasible by corporations. However, urban areas are also affected fundamentally in informal settlements, which not coincidentally receive a large number of migrants from the countryside. 
Such everlasting digital exclusion has shown the need for public policies and regulations to support community initiatives and not only for corporations. Over the past years, uh, we've seen the growth in terms of the, of the movement of community networks, especially in Eastern and Southern Africa. But uh, one of the main challenges still remains the issue up around licensing. Currently, only Kenya and Zimbabwe have what we call an enabling environment in terms of an affordable license for community networks. Definitely, uh, there is need uh, for more regulators to be able to recognize this particular license category of uh, non-for-profit organizations wanting to offer internet service provision in their communities. In our talk, Josephine also highlighted the need for these policies to mitigate women's digital exclusion, which is very layered from access to education to participation in decision-making processes. There's a gender digital divide that's important to be addressed, uh, but also we need uh, to be able to have policies to mainstream agenda when it comes to to policy and, and regulation. And a way to do this is by ensuring that more women are actually involved in policy advocacy work, especially in the telecom ecosystem. However, currently there are not that many women, especially with the gender digital divide when it comes to technology. So, so as part of APC LockNet project, there's a program called SPACE, which provides a space for women to come and learn about uh, the telecom ecosystem, as well as how they can be able to advocate for enabling policy and regulatory environments in their countries. Space, mentioned by Josephine, is the Social Political Advocacy for Community Networks Engagement Initiative, which has already happened twice in 2021 and 2022. The initiative geared women and persons interested in gender and community network issues from Africa, Asia and Latin America in a process of capacity building and mentoring. Whose voices are heard in policy and regulatory spaces? What are our gendered experiences in these spaces? How can we build more inclusive, diverse, and community-oriented access policies? Issues like this were discussed over this initiative, which should have new additions in the coming years. And this is the end of another episode. As always, I hope the stories that were told by voices from different parts of the world were a source of learning hope and a call to action. Together and collectively, we can support more women to take on leadership roles in community networks advocacy. If you want to learn more about CTAD and the SPACE project, visit our landing page and links we left on the description of this episode. If you've liked this podcast, please help us to share these voices. Recommend it to those you know will appreciate it as well. You can follow the season on the main podcast platforms or on APC's website, routingforcommunities.apc.org. 
We'll meet again soon with new experiences and stories from community-led networks that are also connected to our lives. In the ninth episode of our show, we'll get to know more about a project which takes good internet access to rural areas in the United Kingdom. The story will be told by one of the project's founders, Chris Condor. You've listened to the eighth episode of Routing for Communities, an audio journey tracing community connectivity around the world. This is the podcast of the Local Networks Initiative, a collective effort led by APC and Rizomatica. Production, Rádio Tertulia. In this episode, you listen to audio content by Channels Television in Nigeria. Thanks and see you next time. <laughs>